evidence and answers. Are we living in the last days? The signs seem to be everywhere. But what does God's Word say about prophecy? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith, with the conclusion to this exciting message detailing seven signs of the end times. Here's Pat now. Early on in his childhood, his nurse believed that he was demon-possessed. Okay? So he struggled with it throughout his life. And if you look at the teachings of Islam, they denounce as blasphemy, as shirk, the key doctrines taught in the Bible, the doctrine of the triune God, the deity of Christ and the Messiah, the death and resurrection of Christ, the authority of the Bible, calls for the persecution of unbelievers and specifically mentions Jews and Christians, and calls for the destruction. Islamic eschatology calls for the destruction of Israel, that the Mahdi may arise from the well and lead the armies of Islam to war, break crosses and burn synagogues, and bring in the golden age of Islam. Muhammad wrote in the Quran, fight those who do not believe in Allah. And the Jews say Ezra is the son of God, and Christians say Christ is the son of God. These are the works of their mouths they imitate. The saying of those who disbelieved before, Allah's curse be upon them, how they turned away. Chapter 9 of the Quran. Fight those who do not believe in Allah, nor the latter day, nor do they prohibit what Allah and His Messenger have prohibited, nor follow the religion of truth out of those who have been given the book. Who's that? That's the Jews and the Christians. Until they pay the jizya tax, the heavy, heavy tax of unbelievers, in acknowledgement of superiority and they are in a state of subjection. Okay? That's the goal of Islam and Sharia law. You have three choices in the Quran. Convert, meet the sword, or live as a single class citizen paying the heavy, heavy jizya tax. O oh, you who believe, do not take the Jews and the Christians for friends. They are friends of each other and whoever amongst you takes them for a friend, then surely he is one of them. Surely Allah does not guide the unjust people, chapter 5 of the Quran. So hostility between the Jews and the Muslims go all the way back to the days of Muhammad. Alright, so for over a thousand years that has been the teaching in Islam. And Islamic eschatology teaches what keeps the Mahdi, the Islamic Messiah, hidden in the well is the existence of Israel and the U.S. in the holy lands of Islam. So you see there, here the Muslim lands in red, and where's Israel? Tiny, tiny little dot over there, that's Israel. Okay? The Islamic nations have sought the destruction of Israel, and we know on several occasions since 1948, the nation, the Islamic nations, have in a unified effort attacked the nation of Israel, but each time, though vastly, vastly outnumbered, Israel was remarkably delivered. Obviously, there's something else going on there. The day after they were declared a nation, they were attacked by the Islamic nations, and without much of a standing army, they won a great victory and repulsed those nations. Following that, the Suez War, the Six-Day War, in which they were attacked on all sides, and 
miraculously defeated all the neighboring nations and pushed them back and expanded their territory. The Battle of Yom Kippur, which involved nine Arab nations, four African nations attacking on the holy day of Ramadan and Yom Kippur, completely by surprise, they were attacked and somehow miraculously fought and repelled those invading armies, and the battle continues. Now, the current war involves Islamic groups seeking the destruction of Israel, and what's going on in the Middle East today, as we talked about last time we are together, more hardline Muslim groups seeking to replace these moderate leaders of these nations with more hardline fundamentalist Islamic regimes. Yet despite all their attacks, God promised what? Jeremiah 31. This is what the Lord says, who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is His name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. In other words, Israel is going to be around until the Messiah returns. No nation has been so persecuted, so scattered throughout the world as Israel, and yet has survived. Hey, if you told the Romans who destroyed Jerusalem and scattered the Jews, Rome will one day disappear, but Israel will still be around, will long outlive the Roman Empire, they would have laughed. But Rome is gone. Israel is here. If you told the Babylonians, if you told the Persians, one day your empires will come to an end, but the nation of Israel will be around, they would have laughed. Hey, but empires have come, empires have gone, Israel still remains as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And the rise of these Islamic nations, unifying to destroy Israel, sets up the stage for that great battle of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 of Gog and Magog, an Islamic coalition led by Gog and Magog, which would be the present-day Russia who we know funds these nations and these groups hey, against our strongest ally there in the Middle East, nation of Israel. So the rise of Islam is another key sign to look at. We talked about the city of Jerusalem, but there's another key city that's mentioned, Babylon. Jerusalem is the city of God. Babylon represents the city of rebellion. We first run across Babylon, in Genesis 10 and 11, it is known as the Tower of Babel. And from then on, it has been the city of rebellion. In 586, of course, it's the Babylonians who come in and deport the people of Israel to Babylon, where you read books like Daniel. Daniel was captured and made to serve there under Nebuchadnezzar and the kings of Babylon. Well, the Old Testament prophesies, okay? Babylon was destroyed by the Persians, but the Old Testament prophesies that the city shall rise once again. As Jerusalem will rise to prominence, so will the city of Babylon. There's several passages. It's the second most mentioned city in the Bible, Babylon. And one of the prophecies states, and behold, the leaden cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. 
And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I said to the angel who talked to me, Where are they taking the basket? And he said to me, To the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. The land of Shinar is, guess what land? Iraq. There you go. Babylon. And wickedness is in a basket, and she is going to be there, and at the right time, she will be unleashed, okay, to run her course. Then the judgment of God comes. So it indicates that this land of Shinar and the city of Babylon will once again rise to prominence. And then in Revelation 17 and 18, it will be finally, once and for all, supernaturally destroyed by God never to arise again. Well, what are we seeing in Babylon today? Well, since the 90s, the city has once again risen to prominence on the world stage, and the nation of Iraq has risen to prominence again. Today we know that Iraq sits on the second largest crude oil reserves, Next to her are the largest ones, right? The oil-rich country of Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and other oil-rich countries. A unification of these countries under a powerhouse like Babylon, which will arise, would pose a very, one of the most wealthiest and most powerful coalitions, right? Setting the scenario for the end time scenario predicted in the prophetic passages of the Bible. And you know that when Saddam Hussein was around, he poured millions into rebuilding the ancient city of Babylon to become the symbol for the people of Iraq. And there when you go, you can see the rebuilding of that ancient city by Saddam Hussein. There it is today. And once again, a rebuilding that city he wanted to become the national symbol for the nation of Iraq. Not only must we look at what's going on in the Middle East, we need to pay attention to what's going on in Europe as well. Bible prophecies point to a future unification, a revived Roman Empire, and a reunification of the nations of Europe. It seemed unlikely in days past, right? These European nations always fighting each other. But in recent times, recent events paint a new picture. Now in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of an incredible statue that frightens the daylights out of him, and he can't sleep until someone tells him what this dream means. So read that prophecy, and he said in his dream, Daniel tells him, this is what you saw, right? And Daniel tells him the whole dream. The head of gold is Babylon and the empire of Babylon there. The chest of silver is Persia. And then the waist of bronze is Greece, which is to come. The legs of iron is Rome. But then at the end of the statue, there's feet. It's iron mixed with clay. Alright? Now that's a strange mixture because iron doesn't really mix with clay. What that shows you is that there's going to be a coalition here, but it's going to be a very volatile coalition, as iron and clay don't really mix. 
So this coalition will be united, but it's going to be a volatile kind of union. Daniel chapter 7 talks about the four beasts that are coming. The lion with the wings, of course, is Babylon. The bear with the three ribs in his mouth represents Persia. The leopard with wings represents Greece, which conquered the Middle East very quickly. But then the final one is a strange ten-horned beast, speaking of an end-times empire united by a ten-nation kind of coalition here. And we haven't seen this kind of ten-nation coalition in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, of course, fell in 476 AD, but it was never destroyed in the way preceding empires were destroyed. Instead, it was replaced, it was broken up into several other countries that are there to this day. And there have been attempts to reunite the old Roman Empire. We know that Hitler tried it, we know that Napoleon tried it, many have tried to reunite the ancient empire of Rome. After World War I and World War II, there came a new effort to, instead of building up for the next war, as they have done for 1600 years, a change in attitude occurred. The European nations decided to come and start working together in a coalition that began called the European Common Market, which formed after World War II in 1948. The reunification officially began in 1957 with the Treaty of Rome there. And today it's called the European Union. And today there are 28 nations that are part of the membership. The euro currency is used today by some 332 million Europeans. There's this over 600 member parliament there with its building in Strasbourg, France, which many of you I'm sure have seen it, resembles our friend, the Tower of Babel. Isn't that interesting? What we're seeing in Europe in the last 45 years seems to be setting the stage once again for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Next, we have a growing apostasy. Okay? Apostasy means people who knew the truth, but then turned away and began teaching what is a false form of the truth. That's an apostate. Okay? They knew the truth and turned away and began preaching a perverted form of that truth. Paul, Jesus, predicted that this was going to occur. Jesus said in Matthew 24, before his return, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. As we come to the, nearer to the return of Christ, there's going to be more false teachings and false prophets, more than you can shake a stick at. All right, now the Spirit especially says that in that time, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. It is the power of darkness that provides the fuel for the false teachers and this apostasy. And are we seeing it today? We're seeing more and more denominations ordaining gay pastors and performing gay marriages. When I was in California, I was saying 50% of the churches 
that I drove by had signs outside saying homosexuality is not a sin or we're pro-gay. About 50% of the churches I'm driving, I see, I see those signs outside, right there, advertised right on the front of their churches. About half of them. That was just amazing. Books that have become bestsellers. One that I wrote about, Rob Bell, Love Wins. And Rob Bell says everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. Okay? A universalism that's being preached today. And then you look at religions like Islam. There's no archaeology that confirms Muhammad was really a historical person. All right? And look at that religion, the things that it teaches that men, if they live a good Islamic life, will go to Islamic paradise where they will have 40 virgins or 70 for martyrs who will always be virgins no matter how many times you have sex with them. They'll be there eating fruits and drinking rivers of wine and never getting a hangover. All these. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, who would believe this stuff? Well, over a billion people do. What is it that drives this thing? And most of my Muslim friends are way smarter than me. These are not dummies here. These are smart people. What captivates them in this false ideology? Mormonism. What is Mormon? There's no archaeology for the Book of Mormon. Grab a Book of Mormon and look for a map that tells you where all these great cities are. And I go find one. Alright, what's Mormonism teach? That good Mormon men, they perform all their temple rituals and go on their mission trips, will one day inherit a planet and become their own God, just like Jesus and God the Father did. Have sex with their wives and produce spirit babies for the new planet. Well, who would believe that? Who would believe that kind of stuff? Hey, our top presidential candidates, many of them were Mormon. The last guy that ran, right? He was a leader in the Mormon church. Okay? And the nomination for one of the parties to be president, and we've always had a Mormon running for president. Top Mormons are in the FBI, the CIA, and the government positions. These aren't dummies, all right? But what drives them? What captures them in this false ideology that really has no historical or reasonable basis for it. What is it? Well, there's something else going on here. Some other powerful dark force that holds these people captive and in bondage and entices and brings them in. And finally, weapons of mass destruction. Throughout the book of Revelation, you see these cataclysmic events that occur, causing the death of thousands of people on the earth. About two-thirds of the people of the earth will be destroyed by these cataclysmic events. And some of them sound like a nuclear disaster. Like in Revelation 8, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water and poisoned them. It says thousands okay, of the population of the earth die as a result. Well, it could be a comet or meteor coming from uh, outer space. could also be describing a nuclear disaster. And according to CNN, we know that there are nine nations with nuclear weapons. One more, looks like it's coming along the way there in the Middle East, our friends in Iran. 
And according to CNN, there are over 17,000 nuclear warheads distributed worldwide and also in satellites flying over the Earth's atmosphere here. It could destroy the Earth five times over. Perhaps that may be what John is describing here in his great apocalypse. Well, those are just some of the signs to look for as we get closer to the return of Christ. Well, what life lessons do we learn from all of this? Well, number one, we need to live wisely in light of the times we live in today. Understanding that the things that are happening throughout the world aren't catching God by surprise. They're going right according to His prophetic timeline and they're falling right into place. But perhaps, okay, perhaps time may be near for the return of Christ. Do you want to wait another day not to share the gospel with your friends and family members? Perhaps there needs to be a greater urgency and diligence in sharing our faith. That's why many of us on the mainland came back home to share Christ with our friends and family members here. Also, okay, beware of the events that will occur. The rise of apostasy. Okay? Beware that all the more you need to be diligent knowing God's word and the truth of God's word and be able not only to articulate it but to defend it as well. For there will be a growing apostasy and a moving away from the teaching of the truth of God's word and a rise of false teachers and false prophets that will continue to arise. Okay? As Christ returns gets nearer, the attention of the enemy, knowing that his time is coming to an end, is going to just intensify. His opposition will continue to intensify as he knows his time is coming to an end. Next, live in hope. Not be overcome with despair. Yeah, things may look like they're getting worse, but it's not a time to live in despair, but in hope knowing what? Well, these are the signs of Christ's return. God is still in control. He knows what's going on. It's not catching him by surprise. And it's going right according to his prophetic timeline. The people of God do not need to live in despair. Though things may look like they're in chaos or they may seem to be getting worse, we can still have a joy and abiding hope knowing God's in control, bringing things to pass. Next. Watch for the signs of his return, all right? Be aware of what's going on in the Middle East and Europe and the world and what is to come and how they play a part in God's prophetic timeline. And finally, as Jesus said, pray and be ready and may the master find you doing the master's task. May we be faithful doing what God has commanded us to do, to go into all the world and to make disciples of all the nations and to be found doing that when he returns that he may bring us on that day of glory and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that we do not need to live in despair. Thank you that we can live in hope, knowing that the things occurring in this world 
are in your control and going according to your plan. May we be faithful to the task you have called us to. And may we be found to be faithful servants of you, fulfilling the Great Commission this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's teaching. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing, consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, head on over to evidenceandanswers.org. You may click on that Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. We do have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.